my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Last week I was speaking to a gentleman and during the course of the conversation, he told me that many years ago, someone shared with him six words that changed his entire life. As he was growing up and going through college and work and family, and now he's probably in his early 80s. And the six words were these. We become what we think about. We become what we think about. And as he shared those words, he was telling me the story of his life and how those words shaped his life. We become what we think about. My brothers and sisters, has your imagination ever captured anything in your life that has transformed it? Because oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we have failed to really take account of the great blessing of our Catholic imagination. We become what we think about. I think it was Einstein who said one time that imagination is more important than knowledge. The imagination. Now, my brothers and sisters, I'm not speaking here about your imaginary friend that you had when you were a child. I had an imaginary friend for two weeks. And then I remember one day my mother asked me where my imaginary friend was, and I said, oh, he moved to California. <laughs> I don't know, maybe imaginary people live in California. I have no idea. But not imaginary people, but what do we mean by imagination? Imagination, my friends, is a mental picture of something, usually something desirable that could become a reality if we do our part. Imagination is a mental picture that could become a reality, a good reality, if we do our part. The power of the imagination and how we harness that, my friends, in our own individual lives. Especially, oftentimes, when we use that imagination, that mental picture comes via a dream or a vision or in some kind of way that God plants it in our very soul. God plants it in our very being. And when God plants the vision, my friends, remarkable things happen. 2,500 years ago, the area of Judah in Israel was decimated during the Babylonian exile. And during that period of time, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the people were dispersed all over the place, and those who remained in Jerusalem were living under very difficult circumstances. And as this was going on, there was a man. And the man was a man by the name of Nehemiah. And we heard about him a little in our first reading today. And so while Jerusalem laid in destruction and despair, Nehemiah was still a very faithful Jew, but he wasn't in Jerusalem at the time. He had a very important position with the king of Persia. And he was living in the capital city of Persia, sort of modern-day Iran. And his position, my brothers, brothers and sisters, is that he was the royal cupbearer to the king. He was the only one who was permitted to bring drink, usually wine, to the king and the royal court. Now, we may say today, that's just a glorified waiter. But remember, at that time, there was a real concern that someone was going to try to poison the king or another member of the royal family. 
And so Nehemiah had a position that was very high in the royal household. The king trusted him so much to ensure that the wine that was served was free from any toxins. And many times the royal cupbearer had to drink first before the king in order to ensure there were no toxins or poisons in the wine. That was Nehemiah's position. And the king trusted him greatly. During that period of time, one of his friends, a man by the name of Hananiah, comes onto the scene. And Hananiah begins to explain to Nehemiah all the things that are going on in Jerusalem. The destruction, the despair. And as that happens, Nehemiah begins to weep. And Nehemiah enters into a time of prayer and fasting. And during that time of prayer and fasting, God puts a vision in Nehemiah's heart. He puts a mission in Nehemiah's soul. And that vision is that Nehemiah was going to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. That he was going to go back to Jerusalem to reestablish what had been destroyed. That's why I tell people, watch what you pray for, because you might actually be the answer to your own prayers. Just as Nehemiah was. God put the vision in his heart. My friends, this week we celebrate Catholic Schools Week. Here at St. Benilde, 50 years ago this year, God put a vision in the heart of this faith family. God put a vision in the heart of the parishioners and the clergy and the religious to establish a Catholic school. To establish a school so that our children for generations could be reared and raised in the Catholic faith. So that the Catholic faith could be handed on in a way that was truly, authentically, faithfully, and unapologetically Catholic. That came from a Catholic worldview, a Catholic anthropology, where Christ was truly the teacher in the classrooms. That was the vision that was given to this community 50 years ago. But a decision had to be made. Do we say yes to God's vision? Or do we go the other way? Because you see, Nehemiah had the vision. But Nehemiah had to say yes to the Lord. He had to consent to the vision because he could have said, you know, Lord, that's a little too difficult of a task. I'm going to stay here in the royal household. It's, a com it's very comfortable here. But Nehemiah responded. And so Nehemiah, in his response, because he had such a close relationship to the king, he asked the king if he could become the governor of Jerusalem. And because he was in the king's favor, the king granted him that permission, and he went down to Jerusalem. And he prayed about what he was going to do. And do you know the first thing that the Lord told Nehemiah to do? You may think I'm making this up because of everything in Washington today. But the Lord told Nehemiah, build a wall. <laughs> That's what he said, build a wall. He said, when you get to Jerusalem, you must rebuild the walls of the city. You have to rebuild the walls. Because that was the first step for the city to protect itself. All the ancient cities had huge city walls. If you go to Jerusalem today, you'll see the remnants of the walls. You'll see it in Rome. You see it at the Vatican and many other places. He told him, you must go and rebuild the walls. That was part of the mission. And so Nehemiah begins the work. And certainly Nehemiah had his critics. If you read from sacred scripture, there were those who said that shouldn't be done, that couldn't be done. There were other things to do. And how does Nehemiah respond? 
I am doing a great work. I cannot come down to you right now. He was speaking to his critics. I am doing a great work. I can't be bothered with all that gossip and commotion right now. Because I'm doing the Lord's work. And Nehemiah was committed to the vision. He said yes to the vision. And seven months after the beginning of the year, the work was done. And Nehemiah, he wasn't like most normal governors who lived above the people and sort of just gave out commands. Nehemiah was actually there working in the trenches, rebuilding the walls, doing what the Lord asked him to do to help to reestablish the city. And the work continued. And seven months into it, when the work was just about done, that's where our first reading picks up. Because Nehemiah asked Ezra, the priest scribe, to gather all the people by the water gate for the reading from the book of the law, the book of the law of Moses. And they gather all around. Remember, they're dispersed. The people were not all just living in Jerusalem. They were living in many other places and little villages around. So he gathers all these people together. And because of the exile, my friends, these people had never heard the word of the law proclaimed. This is the first time. And that's why as we read this really moving reading, as Ezra is proclaiming the law, what are the people doing? They're weeping. They're saying amen. They're getting down on their face and prostrating themselves. Because they probably thought this day would never come. But God gave Nehemiah the vision, and Nehemiah responded. My friends, as we celebrate Catholic Schools Week, God gave this family a vision. And this family responded over 50 years, numerous individuals working together to see that that vision would become not only a reality, but that would continue to flourish for generations to come. And we read about it in the good news. It's part of our good news. And just as Ezra opened the scroll to read God's word, I want to open the Clarion Herald. This is not the word of God, but I want to open the Clarion Herald to read to you just some excerpts of what our school children have written about our school to share with you part of that good news. And I invite you to take a copy home after Mass so you can read it in full because I'm only pulling excerpts from some of the articles. This is what some of our children have to say. We have five articles, five essays from St. Peniel students in this particular edition of the Clarion Herald. One child writes this. A teacher who made an important uh, difference in my life was Miss Susan Connick. My mom noticed I was having a hard time learning how to read. I was tested and I was told that I have a learning disability. My mom researched for help for me and founded that St. Peniel had a program for kids like me who had a hard time reading and learning. On my first day, I was really nervous and I cried a lot. But Miss Susan came to my car and she walked me into school. She always checked on me and made sure that, that she was there for whatever I needed. She always treated me with kindness, love, and respect. That is what a Catholic school is supposed to teach you, right? Praise God. Here's another one. Miss Benora at St. Benil is the teacher who has had the greatest impact in my life. She helped me understand the work that was hard for me. She wanted everyone in the class to understand what we were learning. Now I really love going to school. Praise God. <laughs> My sister was sick a lot. And sometimes I would have to leave school early because of it. In March, she became very sick. And she went home to heaven. 
Ms. Benour stood by my side and helped me through this time. I know that God had sent her to me. One more. How does a school community help to deal with having a brain tumor? My teachers, fellow students, parents made my life better. They helped me when I got the tumor, had many surgeries, was recovering in chemotherapy. They gave me the blessing of prayer, support, love, healing, and many other things. My teachers came and visited me in the hospital. They prayed the rosary for me. They spent extra time helping me with my schoolwork. Some of my classmates came to the hospital to visit as well. They carried my books for me. They were nice to me. They made me feel happy. My classmates also prayed for me. My Catholic school has shown me the blessing of prayer, support, love, and healing. That is the best education anyone could ever have. And those are only just some excerpts, my friends. But you see, my brothers and sisters, when I read this, I am almost brought to tears. And this is written by our children. My brothers and sisters, the work that we do, when God gives the vision, he always sees it through. And that's why at the end, it is Nehemiah, as the people are weeping, who says, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad. Do not weep. For rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. My friends, even in times of difficulty and in times of struggle, even when everything it seems to be very difficult and hard, if God gives the vision, and if we say yes and are faithful to the vision that God has given, then miracles happen each and every day. And then, my friends, we can truly rejoice because it's the Lord who is our strength.